Well, hello there, Leah. Hello. I'm going to start singing then, Sean. Oh, really? <laughs> Your microphone's up. You should go for it. <laughs> no, I've done too much of that. <laughs> no, fantastic. Nothing gets your blood running than a little bit of Beatles. A little bit of Beatles. My, my boys are learning the guitar and it's so easy to play Beatles songs. So they're right into it. They're loving oh, it. And easy to sing them. Yeah, absolutely. And so at Hard Day's Night. And so here we are. Sitting around um, these microphones uh, here in this room, Leah, uh, tell us, what are we doing? Well, what I think we're doing here is celebrating nurses and midwives. Yeah. And celebrating them in terms of getting to know them, getting to know their stories, what they've done, where they've been, how they got here and, and... what their experience of Calvary since they've been here, how it's mm. changed and, and how it's um, hopefully enriched their lives. Absolutely. And challenged their lives and, in other ways. And challenged <laughs> their lives, yes. And, you know, like any good marriage, you know, probably good times and bad. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what a wonderful chance for us to do this. And so we are doing the short shift, which is our little podcast to recognise. Is it the year International Year of the Nurse and the Midwife? That's right. So this is um, these podcasts are part of a, a greater action plan, mm. and there'll be more on celebrating nurses and midwives as we go through the year. But this is uh, the beginning of a series of conversations we'll have, Sean, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, and we'll, we'll do this every month. Get someone new from a different part of the hospital and um, hear their stories. So hopefully by the end of the year we'll have a full array of stories from lots of experiences and, um, yeah. Absolutely, and I feel very privileged to be in this seat. You know, I had to beat Anna away with a stick and say, <laughs> and say this is my job. Because once you get started talking. <laughs> That's it. No, and this is great to have you here as um, as the leader of, of nursing in, um, here in Hobart. So it'll be great to have your input because what do I know about nursing? Very, very <laughs> bodily fluids. That's all I know. It's all about bodily fluids. We'll make you an honorary, <laughs> honorary nurse. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got a lot of work to do before I can get <laughs> that title. So we thought we would start with um, it's the International Year of the Nurse and Midwife. So today we're starting off very excitedly with a midwife to hear her story and who have we got coming and chatting with us today Leah? So we have Catherine Roach coming to speak with us today. Catherine? Well commonly known as Kate. I I think that's only when she's in trouble too Catherine. Oh okay Kate (laughs) uh, who has uh, a long history with Calvary. Yeah yeah well this is very exciting so we're going to go and find Kate get her a cup of coffee and um, head on back in. Excellent can't wait. And we're back in the room, three cups of tea, and Kate. Welcome, Kate. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, Kate. <laughs> Hi, Leah. Now, do you know, Kate, we, um, we haven't done this before. You're the first person to sit down in the room with us, so we're going to muddle mm. our way through together. And um, in the end, I think we're going to uh, hear some, uh, some interesting things and a little bit about your story. Now, you're looking quite perturbed sitting there with headphones on and a microphone in front of your mouth. I'm just not sure what to expect. (laughs) (laughs) No tricks, no tricks, no smokes, no mirrors. All is well. Okay, let's do it. All right. All right. So, we were just discussing the fact that um, this is, as you know, the the International Year of the Nurse and the Midwife. And so we thought, wouldn't it be great to start by having a conversation with a midwife such as yourself? Um, 
And so we would just love to hear a little bit about you and your journey into midwifery and um, the wonderful world of healthcare and some of your experiences. So where should we start, Leah? Do you want to kick us off? Yes. So um, most people won't know this, but I, I actually have known Kate for quite a long time, probably 14 years, but not very well. So I'm really interested to hear about your journey. Okay, so perhaps we could start with uh, not so much your nursing career, but when did you think you wanted to be a nurse? I wanted to be a nurse when I was a little girl growing up in Ireland. I can't really pinpoint when, but I know as a small child when my parents would ask what I'd want for my birthday, I'd want nurses' dress-up clothes. Wow, what sort of age are we talking? <laughs> like Really young, five, six. Wow. wow. Yeah, very young. And yeah. that's, I always had this, I suppose, this yearning to help people. Ah. And I well, think that's what led me into it. Was there a nurse in your family, a role model? Or? No, no, no nurses. My mum, when she was young, went to England during the war um, and was too homesick and came home after about nine months. But I had photographs. I've still got photographs of her in her nurse's uniform with her hat and epaulettes and a lot of the, you know, uniforms that people nowadays wouldn't have even known about. So that was mm. a very brief stint for her, was it? It was, but I don't know what it was that made me want to. I think mm. I've always been that sort of person that wanted to help other people and I never really knew why that was. I think there was just something in me. Yeah. Mm. So. And yeah. so talk us through your training. When, where did you do that? Um, well, when I finished school, I finished school... Um, when I was 16, so I was very young. I was two years um, basically ahead of other people. You're I, that smart? Well, no, I went to school when I was three. Oh, good grief. Because oh. I, the school was very close to where I lived. And you were that naughty and your mother <laughs> and said, And I used to disappear. I used to disappear to the school <laughs> all the time. So um, my brother was at school there. Uh, he was older than me. Yeah. So the nuns said to mum, why, why, why don't you let her go? So off I went mm. at the age of three, three and a half wow. to school. So that's why I finished school so young. Yeah. Mm. And there were very few places that you could do your nurse training at 16. Like, mm. So I had to wait till I turned 17. And then there were two hospitals in Ireland that you could actually be accepted. The rest, you had to be 18 and over. So I was determined I wasn't going to wait. I wanted to do it. So I applied and got into a hospital in the northwest of Ireland. And how did you feel that year of waiting? I worked in a shop. So I <laughs> earned the money to buy my books and my uniforms. Wow. wow. Okay. And I was <coughs> determined that's what I wanted to do. Because back then you, yeah. had speci- you, know, you had special dresses yeah. and whatever, watch. And you were one driven girl, weren't you? Yeah, I suppose I had a dream. I wanted to be a nurse. And that's what I did. So my parents, I was very lucky. My I, nurse training hospital was 600 kilometres from where I was from. Wow. But my parents let me go. And you sort of think of that in today's terms. Mm. Mm-hmm. They were very brave to let me go. So you stayed in the hospital? Yeah, you had to stay in for the first year, which was mm. a bit tricky, living with all these females that <laughs> you didn't <know. laughs> So it was just you and your brother at home? 
a younger brother and a younger sister okay. as well. Yeah. So off I went and did my three years. And to get a permanent job back in Ireland and back in those days, you had to have um, you had to have another qualification. Ah. And it, my father was very much um, type of man that was always about job security. So <laughs> get a permanent job, get mm. the permanent job. But without your midwifery, you couldn't get a permanent job. They just weren't available in Ireland. They just would just couldn't get them. I mean, it's very for different for nowadays. Pardon? For straight nurses, there was no job security? No, you couldn't mm. get a permanent job without a secondary qualification. Wow. There were very much that you must do a secondary mm. qualification. And some of my friends went on to do paediatrics or orthopedics. Um, but a couple of friends and I decided we'd do midwifery because it was easier to get into. Okay. So <laughs> there were more hospitals that offered it, I okay. suppose, than when, yeah. I, yeah, when I say easier to get into. So we went to England to do it because it was a lot easier to get into. In Ireland, you couldn't get in wow. unless you trained in certain places. There was a real hierarchy of, of training hospitals, mm. and we would have had to wait, and mm. I didn't want to wait. Mm. So we went to England. on a mission. <laughs> Off we went. And that was, again, in a hospital setting? Yep, yeah, in the, in the north of England. Bradford in Yorkshire. Yeah. And um, I'm sure it's a lot different today than it was back then. Back then it was very tricky because obviously um, there was a lot of unrest in Northern Ireland, mm. which sort of spilled over onto mainland England. So it wasn't a great time to be Irish living in England. Mm -hmm. so, so what part of Ireland were you from? Southern Ireland. Okay. Yeah. But when you went to England, I mean, I was only 21, 22. Mm. I was very young. And... You know, it was a huge. It was a huge difference. I think it opened my eyes up to um, how different places were from Ireland. I think when you live, when you come from a small island, you have that wanderlust. You, you tend to want to explore other places. So I went off and did my midwifery, and I, I'd have to say I didn't love it. I found mm. it very difficult. I didn't get it. I found it really. Um, we were treated very differently than um, I had been treated as a student, as a student nurse. So I did find that it was very, it was very difficult. Well, okay, I find that really hard <laughs> to uh, believe, knowing what a um, dedicated, good midwife you are. Yeah, but that comes in time. That doesn't mm. come initially. So initially, we did like eighteen months training, and then you did a year afterwards as your graduate year. And then I even thought. I don't know. I don't know that I love it. I didn't have a passion because I didn't actually understand it all that well. I didn't mm. think anyway. Okay. I just, yeah. And then I went back to Ireland and then I thought, no, I need to do so. I need to go somewhere else. So I went off to the Middle East. Oh, wow. And that's where I learned how to be a midwife. And, and so when you say you, we were treated differently... Is that because of midwifery or because of you being Irish over in England? Or I think it's a combination. Okay. Um, it was a very different training in the UK. In Ireland, we were treated. We knew where we were going to work from when you started to when you finished. You knew what, what block you'd be in, when you'd be on holidays. You, we were very um, cared for as okay. student nurses. Mm. But when we went to England course we were adults we were over 21 so mm. you had to fight your own corner it was very very different yeah and I probably didn't yeah I didn't I didn't love it I yeah and I wondered mm. if I'd made the right choice I was very young and I think you're trying to help people mm. through one of the most um 
difficult times and mm. exciting times mm. in their life, but I didn't That's really. a lot of emotion. I didn't really get it. <laughs> <laughs> and I sort of learned it from a book, and I think yeah. that's very different. I just didn't have, I needed to grow as a person, probably needed mm. to grow as a, as, a, as a woman to actually understand what it was all about. So you decided to go to the Middle East mm. with a girlfriend? or No, I went on my own. Went on your own. That's yeah. very brave. I was very brave. But I thought, no, you've got to stand up on your own feet and you've got to get out there. And I think that's where I learned how to be a midwife. Because obviously I didn't learn the, I didn't know the language when I got there. Whereabouts in the Middle East were you? In Saudi Arabia. Okay. And Good grief. <laughs> very different. You weren't mucking around, were you? No. I mean, this is, you mm. know, before internet mobile phones. So it was a so very... What so sort of, what sort of year were you talking when you went out? Um, nine t- oh, 96, 90, 90, yeah, 96. Okay. Yeah. So I had sort of done my year as a student midwife mm. after in my graduate year and then thought, no, I don't want to be stuck here. I want to go somewhere else. So I was like, well, do I move to London? Do I go back and live in Ireland? When I went back to Ireland, I found it difficult to settle back down. So mm. that's when I mm. thought, no, I need to go further. Let's afield. go somewhere a little different. Yeah, and I thought I'd save up money to buy a car. I thought I'd make (laughs) money out there. (laughs) And did you? Because I know some nurses save well and others spend it as they earn it. No, I had holidays. (laughs) No, I was young. You enjoyed it. I had holidays, yeah. How long did you stay in Saudi Arabia? A couple of years, yeah. And worked in three different places there. So I learned, obviously, enough of the language to get by mm-hmm. in and to help to look after the women and I think that's where I really learned what it was like to be a midwife it's finding a way to communicate mm-hmm. when you don't know their language and they more than likely have never seen white people before most of them don't speak English yeah. so that was for me I think a turning point because to the volume of women you would look after it was just enormous on a shift and what was the expat community like there when you were there? Oh, they ca- it was a very fluent um, okay. community because people were in, a, in and out on contracts all the time. Mm. Um, I mean, I met people from all over the place. met a lot of Australian midwives and New Zealand midwives. And it was very interesting learning, I suppose, what their experiences had been and what midwifery was like in Australia mm. and other places. And it didn't dawn on me that that's where I'd end up because it wasn't in a pl- I didn't have a plan as such. I didn't have. It wasn't one of those people with a ten-year plan. I was like, well, we'll see how we go. Because it sounds like you had a plan all the way from well, you know, sort your, of your third <laughs> birthday when you asked for your nurse's outfit, yeah. all the way through to the end of that training, and then it sounds like you felt a bit lost and you, you kind of found yourself in the Middle East. Which Middle is East really is a funny place. Yeah. It's, it's in, in what way? Um, you are very on your own. Mm. Um, there's nothing else to do there except work. You have to, you, mm. and you work a lot. And I think for me, where I was um, in my career, I got, I found the passion to be a midwife. I actually found something that I really loved, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. And do you think just clear of all the other distractions of life, and having that that transient kind of community around you, and you had to stand on your own two feet, you just landed and and started. Moving forward, career-wise, yeah. you feel like that's what it was. Or? I think I matured as a as a person. I think that was really important as well. Um, and yeah, getting older. But I think for me, it was the pure volume of patients that mm. I that I looked at that I looked after or cared for. Um, I I suppose developed um, a lot of I don't know the 
word is maturity as a as a as a person but also as a midwife so i felt that that was something i was good at doing i think um in every midwife career there's like a switch that turns on yep. that suddenly says i i understand how this all fits together now rather than i've i've wrote learned it all yep. and i know all the tasks but yeah. now i actually understand how the pieces fit together in the jigsaw right. puzzle and when that happens you see the student midwives actually become all the graduate midwives you actually see them morph into something mm. quite spectacular isn't it yeah it's i totally agree yeah mm. um i think for me not being able to speak the language when i got there rather than think of it as um a drawback i actually embraced it and mm. actually learned by you know the, all the non-verbal mm. cues you were given it's almost like the women that i cared for taught me what to do i think yeah. that's how yeah. I, for me it was pretty amazing when I mean, we were i worked in some really flash hospitals like <laughs> they were stunning but the women had nothing they only had the clothes they came to the hospital in wow. that's all they had they're poor mm. But okay. state state run hospitals that were well Mi military funded. hospitals ah, yeah military so. hospitals so this was like at around the first Gulf War. Okay. And so I suppose they built a lot of hospitals mm. and um, they were stunning. They had every piece of equipment or pieces I'd never seen before. <laughs> but the, the women themselves didn't have much. Okay. All they had was what they came into hospital in. Wow. And that's a profound way to learn your craft when you don't have language to fall back on and you have to look into their faces right. and see what's going on and, and reach out with your humanity yeah. and touch that's them right. without language. Yeah. That's what a great place yeah. to learn and shape your craft. Yeah, so that's where I think I really developed the passion to, mm. to, be, to be a midwife and that I knew I, I was good. I could, be, I could be good at what I did, mm. yeah. And where did that lead you then? <laughs> well, the journey <laughs> led me to the Netherlands. Okay. So, yes. Sean, I didn't realise we'd be having a uh, around the world in Absolutely. 80 days conversation <laughs> with Kate today. So we went, um, went to the Netherlands and, I mean, now the challenges were greater because Dutch was not something I'd learned before. And <laughs> just when you got a handle on Just when Arabic. I got it, yeah, sort of thought, oh, I know what I'm doing now. Suddenly I was like very much, um, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And um, I always been a pretty determined person i suppose when i look back on it <laughs> you don't say and i decided i was i didn't want to work there as a cleaner i wanted to work as you know as a, as a nurse mm. a midwife however that looked like midwifery in the, in the in the netherlands is very different and you can't just walk into a job if you don't if you don't speak the language so um i was very lucky i always had luck on my side i uh, went into the city one day and thought i'm going to find a nursing agency and I did eventually and started work that night. Oh, good crew. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so but I not in midwifery? No, um, because midwifery there is very much community-led, so a lot of the women are looked after at, in their homes. Okay, yeah. They About 40% of women deliver at home. Huh. So it's very different. You can't just walk into a, a job. Um, and it takes time to, to go through the accreditation process to actually be allowed to be a midwife there. So I did second best that I thought at the time and I got work initially on night duty on a cardiothoracic unit, never done anything like that in my life. 
And uh, that led eventually to a neonatal intensive care unit. And then I was back at home because I'd done a fair bit of that in my training. How does cardiothoracic end up in neonatal intensive care? Well, I just had to do my time. So I used to do seven nights on, seven nights off. And I said to them, if if there is an opening in a neonatal intensive care unit, I'd really like to do that. And then I was just lucky. And I slid into that job. And um, then I went on to do the neonatal intensive care course. I was offered that. So In the Netherlands, not knowing the language. So I went to school during the day, worked at night time. I went to school during Mm. the day to learn the language. How's your Dutch now? I can still remember and I can still write it. Okay. I wouldn't be fluent, but it wouldn't take me long to pick it back up because it's quite difficult to learn. Um, So... Kate, when we were looking for cardiothoracic nurses, where were you? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> in way in the back. Like, it's all so sure. different, yeah. It's, sure. it's, as I said, I was just lucky I, I stepped into that. <laughs> and I thought, work night duty, nobody talks much on night duty. <laughs> you gradually, and most people that live, say, in Amsterdam will speak <coughs> English. Mm. So I worked in neonatal intensive care for three, three years. And I was lucky because they had a huge immigrant population. And a lot of the nurses, a lot of the, the population didn't speak Dutch, okay. but they spoke English as a second ah, language. So, so hence, I was colleagues. actually able to interpret a lot yes. for them. Ah. So right. I was just really lucky. I, f- it, I fell on my feet. Yeah, you keep on saying you're lucky, but it sounds like you positioned yourself and then spoke to the right people and make your desires known yes. and you worked your way into it. I don't know. I was pretty courageous, I think, as, a young, you as, a, yes. <laughs> as a young nurse. Yeah. And so the, so this has been a lot of years since you nursed in English. So you've nursed in Saudi, now you've yeah. nursed in Dutch. How long were you in, in Dutch land for? Uh, three and a half years. Okay. Yeah. And then um, I'd had my first child and we were just ready to, we were going to immigrate to Australia. Yeah. Oh, okay, so somewhere along the line here you got married. Yeah, got married. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And um, we were moving to Australia because my husband was Australian. Yeah. Uh, and maybe two weeks before we moved, I got a letter in the post offering me a job as a midwife. Wow. Where mm. I lived. So, anyway, it wasn't to be. In Holland? Yep. Uh. Oh. Yeah, but it wasn't to be. Mm. So, anyway, we came out to here. And when you say here, where's here? To Hobart. To Hobart? Yeah. So, why Hobart? Because my husband was from here. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yep. So... And you met him in Saudi Arabia? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Ah, so, so that's the, the turn of events that yeah. took you to the night. Okay. Yeah. It was love. So my kids, <laughs> I suppose, they're all, they were they're quite interested now. Yeah. Interesting that, you know, mum would have met somebody in an illegal country where it's silly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. So yeah, we came here and So this is late nineties. Yep. Okay. This is no, this is ninety four, ninety five. Okay. Yep. And I was like, oh, my God, we thought two years will be done. <laughs> you know, he wanted to go back to university. And we thought, oh, two years. and Two we'll years in Hobart? Yeah. Well, and that, that kind of got out of control, didn't it? Well, it did because I'm <laughs> still here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, so where's home in your heart of hearts then, Kate? I was very, I don't know, really. I think it's, it's here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's here. I think it's where your family are. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I feel very torn when I back to Ireland because my parents are very elderly but yeah I think home is where your children are. And your are. brothers and your sister are they all still back in Ireland? One brother one sister okay. and one in the States. Yeah, well. oh, yeah Irish people 
wander a lot. <laughs> Small island wanderlust. That's eh? right. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So when you reached Hobart, what, what were your thoughts? What did you think you might do with your career? Well, I thought I'd get a job as a midwife, um, but there weren't many choices back then. Um, I applied to the Royal. They never even returned. I got not nothing back from them. Mm. And I applied to Calvary. And um, I was offered, I interviewed, and I was offered a job on night duty because mm. that's what it was back then. So I worked. As a midwife? Yeah, yeah. It was only, that's the only way you could get in. Okay. Because they had permanent night duty staff. Ah. So there I was in the mix. And that's how it started, really. Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah. So I did four nights a week to begin with, which was hard with a small child. Oh, oh yes. Wow. Yeah. But you just do it. You do it. Sleep, I mean, sleep deprivation all around there. That's right. Yeah. 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 And and then one of the senior midwives left and I applied for her job. So I got on today's as such hey. or a mixture. I always, yeah. I've always done a mixture because I feel that that's where shift workers. Mm. So I've always done a mixture of days and nights. And, and, and you spent some time... In charge of the unit here at Calvary also, didn't you, Kat? I did. Yeah. Yes, I job shared with Catherine for about four years, I think it was, all up. But my kids were quite small mm. and it probably wasn't the right time to do it because they spent every day in after-school care. Mm. And so I was very torn. You're, the job demands a huge amount from you and my kids be waiting for someone to pick them up. Yeah. And it was difficult. Yeah. yeah, it was. It wasn't the right time. But I think, too, I'm a clinical person. That's where my passion lies. Mm. I was never good at the, at the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my, my passion was always the women yeah. and looking after them and yeah. giving them the best care that I could. Yeah. So I never regretted um, stepping back down from the managerial job. And how, how have you seen Calvary change over the many years that you've worked here? Is it 25 years now? 25 years, wow. yes. 25 years. Um, in in January just passed. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, the longest I've ever spent anywhere. I was going to say, yeah. 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 So obviously, 25 years, I've really enjoyed working there. I think obviously I've grown as a person as well as a midwife. We've formed lifelong friendships ah. and our kids have grown up together. So mm. I think that's a huge, that's a huge thing. Um, it's changed immensely. It was a lot busier when I started. Yes. And so I started and then like we would have up to 120 births a month wow. easily. It was phenomenal. Yeah, wow. But you had the staff as well. It was, it was, you know, there were always surplus staff. Um, and that, I suppose, when the Hobart Private opened then, that's when the change has slowly yes. evolved. And it's um, been an ongoing battle, hasn't it, Kate? It certainly has, yeah. It certainly has. Um, but I think I'm very passionate about trying to give women I care for the best experience they can have, not just them, but their their family, because mm. it, that's changed. It's not just women-centered care; it's family-centered mm. care, mm. and um, it's it it's trying to grow on that. Trying to, yeah, I think that's that. It's very different now, 
Um, it's having the time to spend with people. That's what it's changed so much. I think in the twenty five years since I've been since I started. Yeah, yeah. What does the future look like for you? Oh, <laughs> that's a funny question. Um, my future is a bit different because my husband and I are not together anymore, so okay. I still have kids here. Um, I don't tend to look too far into the future. I try to enjoy every day that I can and every shift that I work. Um, I'd like to think that um, I'm very passionate about marketing the unit and mm. trying to... Um, one of my roles, I think, is I, I see that is as marketing the unit and marketing has been the best place in Hobart to have, to have your baby. Um, I enjoy working with women. I enjoy working in delivery suite with them. I find it's a huge privilege to be mm. able to care for them and their families. Mm. Um, and I don't think I've looked too far into the future as to how that might look for me. Um, but I certainly do everything I can to make our unit the best it can be. Yeah, yes. Yes, you do. And, and part of the success of that unit is people like you that are willing to bend and move and increase and decrease and <laughs> move shifts. Uh, the flexibility is quite astounding to, to make it work. Well, I think we have to. That's part of what we, that's part of what we do. I think too, try, uh, caring for the students that are coming through, the student midwives, mm. to actually help to shape those because they'll be the future of the unit. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if there was something that you could say to all midwives, particularly younger ones beginning out in their training and, and, and discovering themselves in this space, if, if there was one thing that you wish every midwife could, could take into their heart, what would it be? What, what advice would you give or what wisdom would you share? Look after every woman the way you would like your, your own daughter to be cared for, or you to be cared for. You give your 100% all the time and listen listen to the women. I think that's really important. The art of communication, mm. be it verbal or non-verbal, I believe that's the key to being a good midwife. I think they're wise that's words. That's beautiful. That's yes. beautiful. And when you get Dutch patients in, do you slip in a few words I here do. and there? I do, yeah. <laughs> and they would love that, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, they do. Because sometimes we get... Um, patients on the gynae end that have you know come from the Netherlands initially okay, and yeah. it is just beautiful um yeah I've met a couple recently that are going to that are Australian but going to live in uh, the Netherlands and we had lots of chats about <laughs> where to go let how me to give go. you some advice and <laughs> you know they were asking me about what it was like to deliver there so I, I felt wow. I was beautiful to be able to sit and talk to them and demystify it a little bit. And what a bit. gift yes. for them to have you there as a resource yeah. to talk with. They probably understood a little bit better because it, it's very different. Yeah. Very yes. different. Yeah. yeah. And then can I ask the flip side, What for you what's been the, the most challenging aspect of midwifery that you've really had to dig deep to, to work through and work with? I think caring for people who've suddenly lost a baby is probably the hardest thing to do and to do well. When it's an unexpected yeah. fetal death, that I think for any midwife is the most difficult. Mm. Um, you have to draw on a lot of your reserves, mm. and plus you've got to be able to help not just the family but other staff involved as well. I think that's the, and you know, be able to give your best mm. um, and to still make it as memorable as you can for the couple that have lost their baby because mm. they still depend on you even more. 
For sure. And I think I've <laughs> had, a, because I work full time, I've had a lot of experience. I've been very privileged to have a lot of experience with people who've lost babies. And so it, I think it's something you have to do really well every time, every single time. And, and as sad as it is, it can also be, be very rewarding mm. exactly. to, to work closely with a yeah. family that's suffered that bereavement. I agree. And, and the kindness that you show them in that moment, they never, ever forget that. No, no. never. And they, never. Will, they will take that kindness in their hearts to the grave for the rest of their lives. Yeah, so absolutely. that the work you do is just so, has such longevity and such uh, totally. a deep impact on them. Yeah, so I think good so. Good on you, Kate. Yeah. Ha. What a journey. We've been everywhere. I know. And here we are back again. <laughs> and here we are in beautiful Hobart. <laughs> yeah. I, I think um, you know, I'd be the first to say that I didn't know any of that <laughs> about you. <laughs> I didn't know that you were such a traveller and had, had worked in so many different places. That's amazing. And on behalf of Calvary, you know, we absolutely value the wealth of experience and the the knowledge and clinical skills that you bring to the Calvary Maternity Unit and from our students to our new staff and to our management you know we we can't thank you enough for what you what you bring to Calvary and it's been it's been lovely getting to understand just how much you do bring um, in the course of your every day so thank you very much Welcome, thank you, Leah. And and I don't know whether you realise, Kate, but you your presence is 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 very powerful. And when you are in a room, your your gentle, authentic presence is really palpable in a way that that most people aren't. And when you spoke about doing all of your your training and discovering your yourself in that craft, when there was a language barrier, for me the penny dropped because you know you've you've worked out how to really connect with people apart from language in just being there and being present as a human being beside them. And you do that still so powerfully. So that's just wonderful for you to be able to share that with our patients and, and share that story with us. Thank so you. good on you. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Sure. <laughs> and thanks for being our guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all survived. Our limbs are all intact. Yes. 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 Well, I suppose we look after people at their most vulnerable. Mm. And I think that's the thing we have to, as human beings, remember. People are so vulnerable when they come to hospital mm. and they, your, your connection with them in the first five minutes either makes it or breaks it, I believe. Mm. That's the key to, a, a good, you know, to their trusting you. Yeah. You have to connect with them very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. What does um, Brene Brown say? Dare to be vulnerable mm. um, with people at their most vulnerable. Mm. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah. And that's mm. what fosters trust. Yeah. And whether you find, like I... I love shoes. Anybody that knows me knows <laughs> I love shoes and handbags and the colour green. So I always find, I'll always find something to connect with them. Yeah. We, women will always come in with shoes on or whatever. Yeah. So we, we can always chat about something. So I find Absolutely. something to talk to them about and then build on that. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Kate, especially You're on your welcome. day off. Yes. And we promised you coffee and delivered you a strong cup of tea, which is a, a bit of a, a second uh, prize. But That's uh, fine. Yeah, no, yeah, wonderful to have you. Thanks <laughs> Thank so you much. Both. Thank right. you very much. It's been a hard day's night. And you've been listening to The Short Shift, stories of nurses and midwives from Calvary, Hobart. I should be